Hey, this is a shout out to all my rebels with the cause, all my patron peeps. What's up? Uh, talking to you, uh, coming to you, uh, snuggling. Scoots is here to help. Thank you so much uh, for supporting the show, patrons. And uh, let's keep it going. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, whether you're traveling, there's changes in time or temperature or routine. Whatever's keeping you up, I'd like to create a safe place. I'd like to smooth it and pat it and rub it down for you. Uh, puff it up a little. Puff it and pat it and, uh, you know, mark it with, a, as they say, a, a, a SP for safe place. Or a YOU for you. This is your spot right over here. Or, oh, you prefer that spot over there? That's just fine. You, you can move around if you wish. Yeah, what I'm going to try to do is take your mind off whatever's keeping you awake. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, rustified tangents, extra words. I'm going to get mixed up. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, and, uh, what I'm going to do is try to keep you company while you fall asleep. If you're new, uh, welcome. Let me give you a couple of things to know up front. Uh, one, uh, it takes it usually a couple of times to get used to this podcast, not for everybody. And it turns out the first few times is almost not for anybody because you say, what is this the first time? And then you fall asleep. And then the second time you say, what was that uh, that I was listening to? And then you fall asleep. And the third time you say, oh, okay, I, I, I get it. I don't really get it. Or some people have a pre-time. We won't even say it's the first time. They encounter the podcast. And they say, are those creaky, what are those called? Are those uh, aching, mulchy tones? And then they say, then probably not for me. And then maybe they try again. They say, oh, no, those are creaky, dulcet tones. If they weren't so creaky, they'd be, I think dulcet, it kind of means sweet. Uh, you say, okay, yeah, I thought they were uh, leachy, mulching tones, but uh, I guess they're more creaky, dulcet the second time I'm listening the other thing is don't try to figure out the podcast too much or concentrate or focus because I do a lot of meandering. I do a lot of, uh, what's that called when, when you uh, do a filibustering? Holy moly. I mean, I bust a filler like uh, like you've never, you, you want to see somebody bust a filler and a filler bust. Uh, if it wasn't for the patented name Dustbuster, I, I would sell something I guess this podcast, I'd say this podcast is like the filibuster, dustbuster, filibuster of dustbusters or something. Uh, right if I was like a good, I'd say, well, I'm going to bust some fills like a dustbuster busts dust. Uh, I guess I just did that, but it wasn't as impact because I've been using these, you know, lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. So don't try to figure out the show too much because my filibustering, maybe I'll come back to that. Uh, but uh, what else? Oh, structurally, what to expect. The show starts off with a few minutes of business. That's really how we keep the show going and free. Uh, then we have an intro. The intros are about 12 minutes of me filibustering, uh, trying to explain the podcast, but also trying to earn your trust, 
to keep you company. Uh, some listeners fall asleep during the intro. A lot of listeners use it as part of their wind-down routine. They're calling their pets in. They're getting ready. You know, they're getting snuggled in. Maybe they're do- brushing their hair or their teeth. Yeah, maybe they're filibustering bedtime. Maybe that would be more procrastinating. I'd like to filibuster. Well, let's see. I'll, I'll try to think of something. But uh, some people skip the intro. Uh, some people listen to intros all night long. Whatever works for you. But it's just the beginning of the show. A 12-minute show within a show. That uh, where nothing ha- They say, well, tonight's show, nothing will happen. But we'll talk about it for 12 minutes. And you say, okay, that must be sleep with me. Uh, so there's an intro, then there's a little business uh, between the intro and the story. And then the, for the story tonight, I think this will be our big return to Doctor Who, where we'll be talking about uh, uh, episode two from Doctor Number, whichever, I don't know, uh, from the new series two, which uh, you'll figure it out. It'll be in the labels, but we'll be talking about Doctor Who, and I'll be doing plenty of meandering and prowling around uh, like a house cat, uh, where you say, when a house cat's not chasing stuff, it's just walking around. Maybe I'll be sitting, you know, on a a still looking out a window. That's kind of how I observe Doctor Who when I'm watching it over and over again. I say, okay, well, that happened there. And then Rose said this. Uh, also, Mickey handed the bag, you know, like, uh, what, what brand backpack was that? Noticed Mickey was wearing a Puma warm-up suit, but the Puma was covered because there's some brand issue. You know, just like if I ever got a Dustbuster warm-up suit, they'd probably say, okay, we, like, I said, don't worry, I'm going to change the D to an F. And they said, well, it's still our brand and they say, well, my brand is filibustering. Let me talk to you about it for a few minutes. About a, And they say, no, 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 we just don't want to. I say, well, I was in the middle of talking about my the reason I have this warm-up suit. is because, But I can't filibuster right now because I'm trying to explain the structure of the show to new listeners. Uh, how about I meet you at Dustbuster Corporate? Oh, B&D Corporate. That sounds very uh, clinical. Yeah. Oh, it's okay, well, anyway, uh, so there'll be a, 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 a talking about Doctor Who, sleeping with Doctor Who, if you wish, or sleeping too, and then there's some thank yous at the end. So that's the structure of the show. A few other things, you don't really need to listen to me, or you don't really like, uh, need to listen closely. Like a normal podcast, you might miss out on something. This, you could miss out on something, but you could always replay it. Uh, but most of the stuff you miss out on won't be super impactful. It'll just be friendly banter. And you're also under no pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here for about an hour. And the reason I make the show is about an hour. It's like in case you have trouble falling asleep, I'm going to be here till the very end. If you can't fall asleep, uh, you know, you could play episodes back to back to back. Uh, but I'll be giving them my all all the way through to keep you company. So... Uh, you could fall asleep as you wish. If you fall asleep during the intro really fast, that's great. Uh, if it takes you till the very end or you need me just to keep you company or you got something stressful at work and you need me to take your mind off of stuff, that's what I'm here for. I'm your boar friend. I'm your boar bud. I, I'm your boar bay, your boar bestie, your boar bra, your boar, uh, boar sib, whatever, whatever it is you like. Uh, 
I'm here to help. I've been there in the deep dark night, tossing and turning. Like last night, I woke up uh, a couple times, but then I woke up at this one time and I said, okay, hopefully it's only, it's in the 5 a.m. range. So then if I need, if I, then I could just get up if I need, if need be, you know, it wouldn't be ideal, but I'll do it. Uh, and I said, okay. And I asked my smart speaker what time it is. So then I don't have to turn on any lights or look at anything. And I said, hey, smart speaker, what time is it? And she said, one, one ten a.m. And if, you, if you've been there, you know what they were. He said, one, I thought it was like 5.20. And uh, that's what I was hoping for. So then uh, I got up and read a little bit uh, because I said, okay, that, that's not going to work. I don't know what my point was there. I think I was trying to make a point, uh, structure the show. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, last night I was there. And then I got back in bed, and actually, once I interrupted the cycle for about 20 minutes, I actually fell right back asleep and slept till my alarm. So it worked out. But there is that time when you wait, when it feels like uh, the HOPE uh, has the LESS with it. And that's where I'm here to help. And w- one way I do it is to bust a filler. Like, uh, that's uh, what if your job was. Uh, because they have the tag. I know there's a lot of com- comedy about these tags that say, do not remove this tag on pillows and mattresses. And uh, be like, I think that's the Bureau of Insulation that does that or something. Yeah, but what if that was your job? You were a fill- They said, well, what do you do? I'm, I'm a filler buster. I mean, really, I work for the, you know, I'm a bureau investigator. But what I do is I bust filler. I go in there. I say, let me see your filler. Yeah. And then I say, busted, that filler is not up to snuff. Uh, no, I guess I thought that would be better material, but, but the cats in my brain said, Row. I guess filler bustering is better, like, if I if I could break dance. I mean, I do have a couple break dance moves, none of which are that good, but uh, if I did break dance, it would be much better. I think there is a band, Filibuster, but I don't think they do, they bust fills, uh, uh, also, busting a fill kind of sounds, or filler. I don't know, maybe, I guess it was just a one-note joke. I was hoping it'd be more material, but it, it turns out it's not. Uh, but that's okay. I'm here to keep you company. I'm here to be your friend. I'm here to puff, let me just puff your pillows uh, instead of busting them. Or, but you know, you wouldn't mind me to bust a move on your pillows. But have there been any, been any bed, bed, uh, there weren't like a, there was some themed break dancing. There's like robot break dancers. Uh, I don't know if there's ever any like like when Cats was big, the musical. We'll be talking about that briefly tonight. Was there anybody doing break dancing and in, in dressed as cats? Yeah, because I could do break dance like a bed themed. I mean, I'd have to get again to get, get get find my Alfonso Ribeiro tapes or whatever. Uh, but if I could re, and I don't think it's a good idea for me to do this break dancing, but, you know, be, do some bed themed break dancing. Like I'd be in pajamas. I would have my cardboard look like a bed. I'd also have pillows and blankets. And instead of doing a ha- headstand or a handstand, I'd do a pillow stand. You know, there could be a lot of good swirling with the blankets and stuff. Uh, and the pillows, and then, you know, you could always finish, like a lot of people finish with their head on their elbow anyway. I could bust out and then just go to sleep. Uh, and, yeah, I think that's a, something that's possible. Like we could get some binaural beats in there. Uh, 
And I could, yeah, then it could be at the filibuster uh, bedtime. And maybe the whole time I could be ta- talking and telling a bedtime. Maybe I'm, maybe you don't know this, but maybe I'm, uh, I'm busting some moves right now, but I'm not, I'm not locking or popping. Uh, but anyway, I'm here to help. Uh, that's the main message. If you're new, give it a few tries. Uh, see how it goes. Uh, and, and, you know, there's no pressure. Uh, so just see how it goes. I'm here to help. Uh, appreciate you trying this show out. I work very hard and I stir, 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 strive and I yearn not to pr- pronounce things correctly, uh, but to be here while you fall asleep. Thank you for coming by. And here's a couple of ways we keep the show going. Hey, everybody, welcome back to our coverage of uh, Doctor Who. Well, this will be the second episode of the second season of the... I, I don't know, I can't remember. I think this might be the 11th Doctor, but I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah, this will probably be the first episode you're hearing. We will do. We will cover the first episode of this season. But I want to put that in line with the holidays, since that's called the Christmas Invasion. And these are episodic anyway. So this is called the Newer New Earth. Now, no the in there. And it comes, starts with like a series of shots of the TARDIS and the Doctor walking. Really cool. He's got on Chuck Taylors, white Chuck Taylors or something like it. In his suit, he hangs his jacket, his duster. I don't think it's a raincoat jacket. He hangs that up. Uh, He pulls his levers. He touches a green glass bauble or a clear bauble. Or maybe it is green glass and it's lit. Uh, uh, Flicks some switches. Rose is outside the TARDIS. Looks like she's going uh, backpacking in Europe. She's got a park on, too. She's saying her goodbyes. Pumping starts up. The doctor is really grinning now as he kicks it into gear. Uh, he's doing it with, like, he's throwing switches with flourishes. Uh, Rose says goodbye to Mickey. Love you. Rose is on board. She's got a knit hat on at first. Uh, the TARDIS is out. Jackie walks off. Mickey stays for a little while. Obviously torn a little bit, uh. And uh, then he walks off. Uh, they say, where are we going? Further than we've ever gone before. Roads will need no roads, uh, as another doctor once said. I wonder if, Di- you know, that'd be interesting. I guess he can do it. But if Di- has Doc Brown or Christopher Lloyd ever appeared on Doctor Who? Just a question. I don't know. I guess Doc Brown wouldn't fit in there. Uh, first, uh, wind, hair. Oh, so they step off the TARDIS. Uh, there's wind in Rose's hair as she comes out. Uh, first, uh, they're in Galaxy M87. This is New Earth, uh, the doctor says. It's a super modern flying cars and everything. I say, not bad, not bad at all. Uh, five billion and 23. I think that's a year. Five years, five billion, 23. Uh, New Earth apple grass is the uh, grass smells like apples there. It really uh, demonstrative, like in a good way when you're watching it without in on mute. Uh, Rose is laughing. Uh, Rose is excited. She jumps up and down. She says, "He'll never get used to this uh, standing on different ground." I love it. Uh, uh, you know, standing. Also, we learn it's a new, 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 new York. Uh, the 15th uh, since the original, I think. Uh, 
but it's the same size as Earth. Uh, the planet is new Earth. Uh, same air, same orbit. Uh, you know, the call went out for humans. Hey, come live here. Uh, let's see. Love traveling with you. Come on. Oh, they they talk about uh, you know being and the, the, just like their first date. They had chips together. They lie in the grass uh, together, and the doctor's jacket. Uh, and then the doctor says, "Come on!" And they run off. Uh, then we see a magic ball camera. Oh no, what is that called? When you uh, can predict people's futures and you look into that. I don't know how I can't remember that. It's not a looking ball, a glass ball, but it's called something else. And they say, "Oh, I'm looking in." It's not a magic ball. How can I not think of what that word is, though? And uh, this is a, uh, the person looking and it says, oh, there's a pure, pure human, uh, original human. And someone else's voice says, look closer. And, oh, this is, must be when they were kicking back in the grass, the doctor, on the doctor's jacket, uh, talking about, uh, can we visit go, go, New York? Uh, so good they named it twice. Uh, but he says, first, let's go to that uh, uh, building there uh, with the green moon. It's uh, where they care for people. And he goes, it's a universal symbol for uh, caring. Also, I got this message on uh, psychic paper. Come to, Please come to uh, floor 26. And Rose said, I thought we were just uh, sightseeing. And then they say, let's go get after it. Then we hear Cassandra's voice from a previous episode in the first season. And she says, I recognize that uh, something. And it's Rose Tyler. She's the one. She goes, this is beyond destiny. Uh, theme first, green moon ward. Oh, that's the green moon on the side. Uh, please come. Obviously, cliffs in the distance, the sky. Uh, Cassandra has a sidekick, and she says, this must be destiny. Uh, then we're in the lobby of the building. Uh, they talk about pleasure gardens. Uh, there's lots of green moons everywhere, like symbols. And they're in the lobby. The doctor says, there should be a shop in this lobby. How come there's not a shop? Uh, he, he repeats that a few times, you know, where you could get gum or cards or flour or, you know, other things. We see that the building seems to be run by uh, humanoid cat nuns, and it's very lobby-like. Then the doctor gets on the lift, a.k.a. elevator. Rose doesn't get get on in time. He says, watch out for the uh, spray spray, the freshener. I don't know what that says, override? And there's air air dryers on the thing. So they spray you with a spritz that freshens you up, and then they air dry you. Uh, the doctor rolls off the elevator upstairs, but Rose, when she gets on the elevator, she ends up downstairs. And this person says, this way, Rose Tyler. But Rose has been around the block. She knows something's going on. And then we see the doctors walking with one of the cat nuns. And they're giving a little bit of exposition. He says, how come you don't got a, a, a shop downstairs? I think, and she says, uh, oh, well, we're here to help people, not seldom things. Uh, and he goes, here, shops do good, not for me, but maybe for other people. And she goes, we're, she goes I'm a, you know, exposition time. We're the sisters of plenitude, and we have a lifelong vow to help and mend. 
Then we see the Duke of Manhattan and the Duke of Manhattan's assistant say he's dealing with some petrifold regression. And uh, he goes, man, I've been a lifetime of charity and abstinence. What the heck? Uh, And there's jokes. His assistant is named Clovis, Frau Clovis, actually. There's a but there. There is also a butler there on the right. Uh, uh, things turn to stone. New uh, novice Haim is who the uh, one of the people the doctor's talking to. Then we see our good buddy face a bow because uh, the doctor says I'm supposed to be here to meet somebody, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I found a face a bow." And that was somebody else, and they leave doctor with maybe. Uh, Mavis Haim, no, no, novice Haim. And he goes, Can you check for Rose Tyler? I, I, I'm waiting for her. And then she says, Yeah, Facebook's sleeping, sleeps a lot. Uh, Facebook's getting older. You, do you know the Facebook? Doctor has met once on platform one. And she goes, Yeah, possibly a big farm. Uh, you know, the Facebook is either thousands or millions of years old. And but but that's not even possible. Doctor goes, well, uh, I like impossible. And he goes, hey, it's me, the doctor. I know I have a different face. Uh, then we see uh, Rose downstairs. Let's see what else. Thousands and millions. He gets really close. The doctor gets really close to the face of Bo's glass and touches it. And it even looked like the face of Bo smelled the doctor, like sniffed it, like it knew the doctor was there. Then we see a movie projector. And it's a fancy party of our favorite Instagram filter, Cassandra, but she's a human in the movie. And then someone says Peekaboo, and it's Chip, who is Cassandra's assistant. Uh, he's a golem like, uh, he's a cologne. And he's there to moisturize Cassandra's uh, Facebook, in, uh, in, uh, Facebook filter, or whatever. Uh, Chip talks in the third person. Oh, Chip, you know, Chip helps Cassandra. Chip uh, maintains her uh, filters on Instagram. Uh, you know, it moisturizes her. And Cassandra's still saying, well, I'm the last human. And Rose goes, this is New Earth. It's a planet full of people. And they go back and forth, uh, you know, uh, talking about Cassandra and her. Uh, and then she says, hey, uh, the cats are up to something, these nun cats. Uh, she goes, I want to tell you a secret about these nuns' cats. And Rose goes, no way. Something trampoline, she calls her. Uh, what does she call? Let me see if I can find it. Uh, I don't know. She says, you're some kind of, you know, she goes, uh, whatever you do. And uh, she's, then she says, hello, blondie, or something. And then they do, like, a switch, like uh and they're like the parent T-R-A-P, they do that thing where they switch a roux. I don't think that, that didn't happen in that movie. There was a Friday, and it was a little freaky. I think that's the movie. But instead of uh, switching, just Cassandra goes into rows. Uh, arms, she goes, holy cow, moisturize me. I got arms, I got fingers, I got he, uh, hair. She says, let me see. She says, chav, very chav, which I looked up. We'll talk about that later. Uh, then we're back in the uh, main building. We hear the uh, over thing, hope, harmony, and health, hope, harmony, and health. The doctor actually has water, and he gives uh, Navis Haim some water. We learn that the face of Bo lives in a, a kind of a jar of smoke, not water. 
He's the only bow left. Ancient bow. He sings ancient songs sometimes. And the face of Bo watched the universe go around. And it says that one time before he goes to the big farm, the face of Bo will impart a great secret uh, only to one like himself, a wanderer, a man without his home, the lonely God. The doctor goes, huh, sounds interesting. And then the Duke of Manhattan calls the doctor over. The doctor also was holding it while the Duke of Manhattan's talking to him. He's like holding his ear, uh, earlobe and stuff. Uh, and uh, he says, I'm all clear. No more petrofold regression. I'm totally back. Uh, uh, then we see Cassandra. She says, from class to brass, as she's looking at her uh, uh, being rose, she goes, curves uh, like in a bouncy castle. And let's see, all clear. Magic or cats or some science. Uh, and at some point, Rose's uh, phone rings, uh, and it's the doctor. It takes a while for Cassandra to, to figure out how to talk and whatever. Uh, doctor goes, where are you at? And she she goes uh, she goes to her side, how's Rose talk? He goes, Cockney. And she, go, he, she goes, I'm on my way, governor. And he goes, I'm with the face of Bo. And she doesn't know what he's talking. She says, oh, that big old boat race. I love it. And then she goes, don't worry, I'm on my way. Oh, that's when the doctor talks to the Duke of Manhattan holding his earlobes. Uh, and uh, they, they go, what is it, a magic? And no, a matron casp. One of the head nuns says, no, no, it's just hard work, science. And the doctor goes, well, how on earth did you do it? Uh, petrofold regression is pretty. Uh, and she goes, new earth. Uh, and he goes, well, what would you do? She goes, simple, uh, but secret, uh, can't tell you. And then they call her away, and we see a little bit more of the mystery of the cats. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, Cassandra's rose, she, she unbuttons a few buttons. Uh, she fixes her hair. She puts uh, some perfume between her uh, uh, in, in, between her buttons. Uh, uh, let's see what happens. Then uh, uh, we see the cats. Yeah, we see more mystery with the cats. Uh, uh, doctor, oh, doctor has his glasses on and he's looking, they see, he says, he asks him again, they say something about cell washing, uh, crescendo palindrome. I don't know what that means. I can't add him to Yeah, uh, let me take a look here if I can find that, uh, petrofold, uh, positively sparkling, Oh, yeah, somebody else was dealing with macaroni issues, and I think he was getting cell-washed. Oh, and Cassandra Rose, he goes, uh, yeah, this person's suffering from palindromes, uh, but uh, now totally doing good. And Cassandra Rose says, I can't Adam and Eve it. And doctors, what's up with your voice? She goes, just, uh, you know, uh, kicking it on the new planet, uh, new city, new way of life. And then she kisses a doctor uh, who says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, and he his voice goes up. He goes, yep, still got it. Uh, and she goes, let's go this way. They needed a terminal to check out some screens. Uh, subframe is locked, uh, but they do some sort of inner installation protocol. And then there's big music. So we see a secret panel. And then they go into a room. It's kind of like the movie The Matrix. Uh, 
and they say, wait a second, this is like a Matrix a movie. And they say, yeah, everybody's in, in their own room watching the Matrix movie. Everybody. And the doctor's like, you got to be kidding me. All of them? What is this? And they go, yeah, it's a research on if you watch The Matrix, if you'll think you're in The Matrix. He goes, I don't like this. Uh, then he talks to Navis Haim about it, who says, uh, well, I have a lot of cognitive dissonance, so I can do my job. And let's see. They say, yeah, the doctor says, I don't like this. You can't just make people watch uh, uh, The Matrix to seize what ha- see what happens. They go, oh, yeah, no, it's for the greater cause. Uh uh, so sorry. Uh, let's see. The doctor even raises his voice. He goes, this is not uh, acceptable. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, no city people. He goes, Do they know- does the city know about this? They go, oh, no. And then he goes, also, Rose, I know something's up with you because you'd be more caring about this, more empathetic. Uh, he also says, I'm being very, very calm, very, very calm. Uh, then he says, uh, he calls somebody clever clogs and smarty pants. And he goes, I knew something was up. Uh, and he figures out Cassandra, maybe she called him clever clog and smarty pants. Uh, so she gives him a snooze perfume and runs along uh, then she pulls some cords, and the doctor wakes up. He's watching the Matrix, and he goes, "What are you, Rose? What are you doing?" You're, he goes, "Cassandra, why are you inside Rose?" Uh, and she goes, three minutes, doctor, and you're gonna be watching uh, the, the, the Matrix movie over and over again." And he goes, "Let Rose go." She goes, "Yeah, as soon as I find an upgrade, I will." Now, hush, baby. And then Cassandra tries to negotiate with the cat nuns. Uh, one of the sisters has to kind of uh, handheld the chamber. Uh, so she lets everybody out of the Matrix because she says everybody turns off everybody's TV. So then they start wandering around like I've been watching the Matrix. What's going on? Because uh, she says Cassandra wants cash. Uh, she says, I'm going to ruin your tests. Uh and then everybody watching The Matrix gets free, and they're just wandering around. They're like, I need some Mountain Dew. I've been watching Matrix for four days. Totally. Uh, and one of the nuns says, by goddess Santori. And, uh, and then the doctor and Rose get reconnected, uh, and he goes, uh, let's go downstairs. Everybody go downstairs. Let's put a... a you go, this people have had too much screen time, just like kids. They need a quarantine until they, uh, you know, just some sunlight and that kind of stuff, uh, some fresh air. They need a fresh air and teen. And uh, they say, get everybody fresh air stat, and everybody's wandering around like, uh, no, I need popcorn, and mun- you know, munchies. Uh, well, there's also a lot of phone booths in this episode, like, uh, uh, like with white phones and domes around them. The lifts are closed. Uh, a chip has to hide. Excuse me, service, uh, video game, sound effects, uh, a freezer vinyl. I don't know, like, uh, I think they, they keep running downstairs, uh, uh, just down to like where, uh, Cassandra was originally hanging out, uh, Oh, I think, uh, who was it? Uh, Frau Clovis is asking for service. And then they see everybody coming out, like, from the Matrix. They're like, what, man? Neo. Uh, 
you know, I can bend it or whatever. People like bend it. Uh, uh, then Cassandra and Rose, let's see, get up now. Oh my. Oh, wait, okay. Yeah, they go, Cassandra's got, we got nowhere to go. So the doctor goes, get out of uh, Rose's body. So she goes into the doctor's body and she says, it's really good acting and fun. Uh, she goes, oh, this is different. Uh, I'm a man now. And she goes, well, I have two hearts. I'm beating out a samba. She starts kind of doing a samba. He's slim and foxy. She goes, oh, Rose, you thought so too. I've been inside your head. You like the doctor. And she goes, Rose, then the doctor says, Cassandra and the doctor say, well, Rose, what are we supposed to do? What would the doctor do? And she goes, go upstairs, which was just the opposite of what they did. Then they go upstairs. We see even the doctor Manhattan, uh, no, Duke of Manhattan, his doctor Manhattan was from a movie. Uh, uh, he even helps. Uh, and then the, the Ro, Rose says, you got to get out of the doctor's body. We need the doctor. And she goes, I don't want to go in your body. It's Hormone City. And the cats aren't happy. And I think Cassandra says, go play with a ball of string. And then they say, move. Then she says, you got to use a sonic screwdriver. And she says, how? And then they say, go back into my, go into Ro, back into Rose. And she says, it was so chaftastic. So they do a back in the fourth thing. And it's even Matrix, like, feels like she's in the Matrix. Uh, and then they say, you know what? These people need it. And too much screen time. Just like kids, some of them need to be held or hugged. Because they say, I'm not tired. I didn't have too much screen time. And instead of saying, yes, you did, you say, oh, here, let me just give you a hug. Uh, maybe you didn't have too much screen time. You're just fuzzy all around. Uh, then the doctor reaches the level with the face of Bo. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Duke of Manhattan and everybody working, saying, what's, what's, what are we going to do about these people uh, that have had too much screen time? There's too many of them, and they're moody. So what's the plan? And they go, well, I don't know. Uh, we, we, no one knows what to do. And the doctor's like, we got to get fresh air and sunlight, and I guess to hug everybody because uh, we don't want them heading to this big city. And because this kid, he goes, I don't know, I'm sensing a sympathetic vibration. And he goes, okay, I got it. He goes, I got it. Uh, he goes, I got a plan. I'm going into action mode. And so he goes into like A-team mode, like a superhero music. Uh, starts putting stuff on, making stuff. And he goes, I'm going down. Uh, he goes, you should come with me, Cassandra. I need your hands and you need to live a little. She goes, you're completely mad, and now I see why she likes you. And the doctor goes, let's go for a wild ride. And then he says, hold that lever. We're cooking up a cocktail. This was Mountain Dew. I mean, this isn't recommended for everybody. But he's like, I'm taking Mountain Dew, New Dew, Strawberry, you know, all of them. Uh, combining and pat, and then he wakes everybody up, and he says, start hugging everybody that had too much screen time after you've had a sip of Mountain Dew. Uh, pass on. He's very happy too. He says, "Pass it on, pass it on. Love and healing, uh, hand to hand." Uh, he's breathing and smiling, and he goes, "I'm the doctor. I, I fix things. Uh, look, uh, and there's still lots of more hugs." Uh, and he says, "Completely, completely uh, fresh air and sunlight." 
Everybody's getting some fresh air and some sunlight. This is great. And everybody starts to feel better, especially from the hugs, I think. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, uh, live without, uh, or life, life will out, uh, he says. And the doctor's very, very happy. He even says, ha. Huh. Then we see the cats get busted. They see you can't just have people watching uh, uh, that much TV. Uh, then the doctor goes to the face of Bo, who's feeling better. He says, oh, yeah, you got things to do. And uh, Cassandra doesn't like uh, telepathy. Facebook, Facebook goes, you know, doctor, I got fed up with screen time, but you've taught me to look at it anew. And doctor says, there's legends. Say you're millions of years old and you got great secrets for a lone wanderer. And the Facebook goes, yeah, but it can wait. Uh, doctor goes, really, can, can't you tell me a secret now? And he goes, we'll meet again, doctor, for the third time and the last time. And the truth will be told. And then uh, Bo uh, teleports out. Uh, and the doctor goes, textbook and en- en- enigmatic. Let's see. Bo uh, teleports out. Uh, Cassandra, Rose, and Chip. Uh, uh, Cassandra has to get out of Rose. So Chip volunteers to store ca- uh, Cassandra because he says, I worship and welcome. Uh, then Rose, the doctor hugs Rose. They say, hello. Uh, and uh, let's see. And she goes, I'm a walking doodle, because Chip had uh, different uh, d- d- drawings on him. And he goes, finest hour and hat. Uh, and Chip's almost out, so he says, it's time for me to go to the big farm as Cassandra. And the doctor goes, how about one last thing? Then we hear the TARDIS. Then we exit Then we exit the TARDIS at a party. There's some gold uh, holiday decorations. I don't know if it's a holiday party. And we see Cassandra there. She's resplendent, the regular past Cassandra. She's talking about something, you know, she's the life of the party. She goes, don't quote me on that. Uh, Bien tot or something. And uh, then uh, uh, Chip walks up to her, Cassandra Chip. He goes, I just want to say you look beautiful. And she goes, well, that's very nice, you strange little thing. Thank you very much. And Cassandra Chip goes, I mean it, I mean it, you're really beautiful, just the way you are, just the way you are. Uh, and then Chip lies down, goes to the big farm, uh, and Cassandra holds Chip, uh, and uh, the doctor watches as him and uh, Rose walk off. He looks back and kind of watches uh, Cassandra kind of hold herself full circle. She's been uh, reassured, like kind of had her esteem inflated. And she's saying goodbye to Chip. Uh, and the episode kind of comes to a close on the doctor's look. Okay, let's run through some things Some things that came up in this episode. The first thing was a glass bobble, uh, reminding me of a paperweight. Uh, and I said, what's the history of paperweights, right? And uh, so I went on Wikipedia, which is a paperweight is a small, solid object, heavy enough to keep papers from blowing away. Or from moving under the strokes of a painting brush uh, with Japanese calligraphy. Uh, decorative paperweights of glass are produced by artisans or, you know, in industrial ways. And they be, can be collectibles, uh, some of which are museum in museums. Uh, first produced in 1845 in France, uh, uh, such decorative paperweights declined in popularity before undergoing a revival in the mid-20th century. 
so let's just take a look at that history. Uh, classic years go from 1845 to 1860, and uh, uh, came from three French factories uh, named Baccarat, uh, Saint Louis, and Cliché. Yeah, they made between 15,000 and 25,000 paperweights in this classic period. Uh, lesser quality ones were made in the U.S., U.K., and elsewhere. And modern weights have been made from the 1950s to the present. Uh, in uh, the 1940s in the U.S., uh, uh, the, the Charles Cazine made some, uh, a little bit, I don't know, some of this seems like a little contradictory. Uh, but yeah, it looks like there's two big periods of uh, of glass paperweights and a few different styles of them. Uh, there's museum collections at the Art Institute of Chicago, uh, the Bergstrom Mahler Museum in Wisconsin, Corning Glass Museum in Corning, uh, and in uh, Devon, England, uh, are some of the big ones. And there's also paperweight collectors, and you can read more of the articles. Uh, uh, Frau Clovis was in this article, so I said, let's look up Clovis and see what comes up. Uh, C-L-O-V-I-S. And uh, Clovis I was the first king of the Franks uh, who united all the Frankish tribes under one ruler. Not sure if I'm pronouncing this. Uh, uh, changing the form of leadership from a group of royal chieftains to a single king. Uh, in a monarchy passed on to the heirs. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else. Uh, four, this is in the 400s. 481, at the age of 15, Clovis became king in what is now northern France. Uh, took control of a rump state of the Western Roman Empire and uh, had taken over some smaller Frank, Frankish uh, kingdoms and even a Visigothic kingdom uh, to the south. Uh, Clovis is important in the histori- historiography of France as the first uh, king of what would become France. Uh, his name is Germanic, uh, composed of the elements hold, fame, and wig, uh, W-A-R-ish. Uh, and the origin of the later French name giving Louis, uh, born by 18 kings of France. Uh, uh, Clovis is also significant due to the conversion of Catholicism in 496 at the behest of his wife, who would later be v- venerated as a saint, Clotilde. Clotilde uh, celebrated today in the Roman Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodox Church. Uh, Clovis was baptized on Christmas Day f- on 508, uh, and this led to widespread conversion, uh, religious unification across modern-day France, Belgium, and Germany, and could have been the precursor to three centuries later to Charlemagne's alliance with uh, the Bishop of Rome uh, under Otto I and the birth of the Roman Holy Roman Empire. It's, it's interesting, a uh, little piece of history there. What about uh, Chip in this episode talks to Chip as, about Chip in the third person? And I said, oh, let's look some stuff up about the third person. This is from thecut.com, The Science of Us, uh, August 24th, 2017. This is by Brina Kerr. Uh, to de-stress, uh, try talking about yourself in the third person. 
And uh, they talk about talking about themselves in the third person uh, during a stressful time. And, uh, you know, how there was a lot of feelings coming up and uh, it even made a challenge work a challenge. And then one day they were on the beach uh, and to clear their head, I realized that I was, if I was going to get through this, uh, I would probably have to manage, imagine myself as someone else. Uh, and then, and actually I've used this technique. It's very, very useful. Uh, thinking of myself as me, a person uh, going through a tough time, I started to make plans, a plan of action as if I was advising a friend. Uh, someone I knew deserved to be cared for, someone whom I loved and who happened to share, have my name. It worked. And they say, you could scoff all you want, but research backs this up. A recent study in scientific journal, scientific reports uh, says talking about yourself as if you're someone else is a relatively effortless way to quell strong emotions. And the technique, which isn't always used in most conventional talk therapy, holds promise for people battling uh, uh, not easy times. Uh, you know, the, the, there's been a lot of investigations into it. It's very simple, fairly simple to do. You know, when things come up, drop the I and use you, he, or she instead. And this helps people get something called psychological distance uh, by using your own name and possibly second-person pronouns. It creates a little distance and uh, makes you think about your feelings and thoughts like you're looking at someone else's experience. Yeah, they actually actually point out that LeBron James, for example, has been called out for this uh, uh, about talking about himself in the third person. Yeah, but he said uh, you know, maybe it's a sign of uh, healthy self-talk. And you see other public figures have used it. Uh, but evidence of this isn't just anecdotal. Uh, scientific studies are starting to back up uh, and use a uh, scientific method to figure this out. So maybe it is uh, something, you know, we, we, maybe it's something somebody like Drew could try out uh, and, you know, get back to, or actually maybe something Drew uses all the time when he talks about Bill. Uh, his man, no, Bill's real. Okay, well, I think Drew uses it, though, sometimes. Or does Scoots use it? Well, both. Uh, didn't realize it was an advantage till now. I didn't. I don't think he knew uh, how healthy he was in this uh, uh, melange of a brain he has. Oh, you don't know if Drew knows that meaning of that word. Okay, well, let's just move on to the next point, which is about the uh, band Blondie, and a Wikipedia article about that because that came up the word. And Blondie is an American rock band founded by singer Debbie Harry and guitarist Chris Stein. Uh, new wave and punk uh, are part of both of those uh, scenes in the mid-70s. Uh, their albums contained elements of both those genres, uh, were successful in the U.K. and Australia, but more of an underground hit in the U.S. until the release of Parallel Lines in 1978. Uh, then they had some hit singles, Heart of Glass, Call Me, Rapture, and The Tide is High. And they had an eclectic mix of styles, including disco, pop, reggae, and even early rap music. Uh, they disbanded in 82. Debbie Harry considered, continued to uh, pursue a solo career. They reformed in 87. They had another number one hit in uh, the U.K. with Maria in 1999, 20 years after their first uh, 
its single Heart of Glass. They've sold 40 million records worldwide, still active. Uh, I think they're playing at the New York State Fair. They did this year. Uh, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2006. And I'd say they're yeah, pop icons for, for sure, especially Debbie Harry. Uh, what about Chav? That came up. It was a, my first introduction to that word ever in Chavtastic. I knew it wasn't a positive thing, but I said, what is a Chav? Uh, and it's spelled C-H-A-V or Charver in parts of northern England. And it's not exactly a nice thing. It's a way to describe uh, antisocial youth dressed in sportswear. Uh, so it was a way for adults uh, to uh, talk about a youth subculture in the UK. As a younger person, a low, like uh, brash and loudish behavior who wears real or imitation designer clothes. Uh, opinions divided on the origin of the term. Uh, it might mean uh, child. Chavi has existed since uh, the 19th century. Uh, Eric Partridge mentions in his 1950s dictionary of slang and unconventional English. Uh, but the current pejorative uh, was recorded uh, by Oxford English Dictionary. It's first used in a Usenet forum in 1998 and then in a newspaper in 2002. By 2005, it was more widespread uh, to, to describe antisocial, uncultured youth who wore a lot of flashy jewelry, white trainers, baseball cats, and designer clothes. Which I guess Rose has a, war, a tracksuit, kind of, uh, on in this episode. Uh, but I think it's more, uh, it's funny because it reflects more, much more poorly on uh, Cassandra uh, uh, than uh, than on Rose. I guess showing that she would use pejoratives like that. Uh, criticism of the stereotype. The BBC documentary suggested that Chav culture is a pre- is an evolution of other uh, youth subcultures. Uh, so it's just, just just things kids do, and it's, uh, I don't know. But, I mean, I think in this episode it's used in a way that really gives us insight that uh, Cassandra said it J-E-R-K. She also uses the term cockney. Oh, you know what? No, she doesn't use it. Uh, I think uh, uh, her buddy uses it. And uh, cockney, just in case she is, uh, it has a kind of different meanings and associations, uh, but it was also a term uh, originally to just to refer to city dwellers and then to Londoners uh, born within Bow's Bells uh, in the city of London. And then it eventually became to refer to those in London's East End or to just working class people in London. Uh, lingui- linguistically, Cockney English refers to accent or dialect of English traditionally spoken uh, by working class Londoners. In uh, 1980s, uh, some features of Cockney English became more frequent in broadcasting, and the media began to speak of a new standard called Estuary English. But most uh, linguists rejected this analysis, uh, and the term is used less frequently now. Yeah, earliest recorded use was uh, 1362 in Piers Plowman, where it meant a small misshapen egg. Uh, 
concurrently, the mythical land of uh, luxury, C-O-C-K-A-I-G-N-E, uh, became humorously so associated with uh, English's ca- England's capital, the English capital of London. The uh, present meaning comes from its use among rural English people in the 1520 as uh, a pejorative for, for people from the city. And from earlier since in uh, Canterbury Tales, uh, a child tenderly brought up uh, may so a couple of ways it uh, it could have developed. Uh, but yeah, it's just a little bit about that. Uh, clever clogs was another good uh, term I was introduced to in this episode. Uh, probably the best one. Uh, clever clogs is a uh, someone who is rather too clever, a smart aleck, smarty pants. Uh, so I don't know. I guess maybe it was used in another episode, but I was like, uh, I really liked that clever clog. Good old clever clogs. You could call me that. Uh, uh, what about enigmatic? Uh, it's a tough word for me to say. And let's just make sure we know what it means. Uh, mysterious pertaining to an enigma. Let's see. Let's, I guess let's look up enigma then because that's not very helpful. Uh, being derived. Uh, uh, something or someone puzzling, mysterious, or inexplicable, or a riddle or a difficult problem uh, would be uh, being derived from the ancient Greek verbal noun enig- enigma, uh, dark saying, speaking, and riddles, or from the Latin for riddle. So that's a little bit about enigma. What about doodle? Uh, it's a nice word. I love that word, doodle. I like doodle. I don't really doodle a lot, though. When I was in school, I was a do. When I was in school, I was a doodle. But what is a doodle? What's well, a, a drawing made while a person's attention is otherwise occupied? It, it could be simple drawings that have concrete representational meaning, or just composed of random abstract lines, uh, generally without lifting the drawing device from the paper. Uh, it can also be called a scribble. Uh, they're most often associated with young children, toddlers, and scoots. Uh, this says because of their lack of hand-eye coordination uh, and inability to keep things within the lines. I always think of it as a good sign. Doodlers are I'm pro-doodle. Uh, doodles and noodles. That's my new cafe I'm opening one day. Uh, doodles and noodles. Uh, in no, you know, no poodles, though. Oodle, we'll have oodles of noodles at uh, doodles. Come by so, so, toodles, uh, that's what we'll say when you leave at uh, noodles. Or what is my place called? Uh, you could be doing in uh, the history of the word, though. Uh, it meant simple uh, people that weren't super intelligent in the 17th century. Uh, so it wasn't exactly a, uh, in the 1936 film, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Uh, in the final scene, the main character introduces the word doodler, which the judge has not heard before. Uh, it's a name we made up back home to describe a person who makes a foolish devi- designs on paper when they're thinking. According to this, it wasn't a common word usage at the time. Uh, so, uh. That no one outside of Mandrake Falls maybe knew it. Uh, 
uh, perhaps the word doodle used here in its modern sense of absent-minded design on paper was not entirely new and was not invented in the script, uh, but it is attested that way. It's also used in the original way in Yankee Doodle, uh, originally sung by British troops about uh, Americans uh, in a non-positive way. It can aid in the person's memory, according to applied cognitive psychology, uh, by expending just enough energy to keep one from daydreaming, which demands a lot. Of, oh boy, I didn't know that daydreaming demanded a lot of brain's processing power. It, Drew didn't know that, but Drew will think about it now. Uh, so it's a little bit about doodles. I'll also include the link to uh, stuff about Cats the Musical. We covered it a few years ago, uh, uh, but there are like a Wikipedia article being here about Cats the Musical since there was a lot of cats in this episode. I think they'll come up again, so if they do, we'll, we'll maybe cover it then. Uh, but that's it. Uh, good night.